He is Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the Christmas story is really all about. Each week during this season, as we have different individuals that will read and light the candle that's being represented that week, and also I'm having some help, and I apologize to the sound people for not warning you, um, reading different passages of Scripture each week. And each week we're going to take a look at a character or characters that are part of the Christmas story and look at the courage they had in that time. If you will, it's a profile in courage. And this week we're taking a look at Mary and Kylie LeClaire is going to come and read for us. Kylie's a mom of a young one. Now I want you to get the image though. I'm not telling anything on Kylie, but she's a little older than Mary was. Mary was a teenager, a young teenager, which was not unusual at that time. But I want you to get this picture of one now anticipating the birth of a child before they were expecting it. And then her reaction to what the Holy Spirit said to her. So Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you. A teenager engaged. But I want you to get a picture of, of everything. And let me make sure you understand the definition of courage. If we're looking at a profile in courage, we need to know what courage is. Courage is not the absence of fear. That would be fearless. Fearless is not always wise. There should be fear at times, at least a healthy fear. Courage instead is recognizing what might cause the fear and even produce hesitation in us, but doing the right thing anyway. Or as somebody says once in a while, taking the next right step. Even though it might create some pain, even though it might be misunderstood even though somebody might speak ill of it on social media. 
taking the next right step. Mary certainly did that. It is a profile in courage. So I want you to get this picture of who this was. This young teen, we don't know for sure, anywhere from 13 to 16 years old. That was normal in that culture. She was a follower of God. She was righteous, if you will. And that's why she was chosen, she and Joseph as well. Now, when you take a look at this, you see that she was engaged. The word that's in the scripture in most passages says betrothed. And that's what Kylie read. Well, you need to understand the word betrothed didn't just mean engaged as we understand it. The word betrothed means legally pledged, contracted, if you will, to be married. Not a casual thing. Not something that, eh, it's not going so well, so I'm going to end the engagement. In fact, as we're going to look at next week when we look at Joseph, Joseph said that he was considering divorcing Mary. You go, well, they weren't even married. Betrothed meant legally bound to be married. You could not just call it off. You had to go through a divorce before the marriage. I was thinking of my engagement. Ironically, it's Jody's too. We had been dating for a while and it was getting serious. And we were talking of marriage. We even looked at rings. And one night as we went out, we were having some discussions about it again. And then Suddenly, she looked at me and she said, I'm not talking about this anymore. We obviously weren't betrothed. And I said, what? She said, because we keep talking about it and you haven't even asked. Now, what I should have countered with was, well, neither have you. I didn't. I wasn't wise, but I wasn't that dumb. And she slid away from me in the car. Now, some of you are going, how can you do that? Well, see, there used to be these things called bench seats. <laughs> Frankly, I miss those. You can actually sit next to each other in the car. She slid away, and I did something I shouldn't have. I started to laugh. Now notice, every lady went, oh, and every guy went, <laughs> The reason I was laughing was, I had already decided this was the night I was asking her. Now wisdom, which I didn't have, would have had me ask her right then as she slid away. I didn't. I'm going, we'll wait a while. We'll go on with the evening. And we did. And later in the evening, I asked her to marry me. She said yes, and we enjoyed that moment. And all of a sudden, she said, okay, take me back to the dorm. We were in college at Olivet. I'm like, excuse me? She said, take me back to the dorm. I go, what? We just got engaged. It's 1030. 
Do you know who's in the dorms at 10.30? People who can't get a date on a Friday night. This is in college now. She said, yeah, but I want to tell everybody. I'm like, who's going to be there? She said, there's somebody there, I'm sure. So drive back. I drop her off. She takes off and runs into the dorm while I'm sitting in the car. So I went and parked the car and went in the dorm. Said hi to all these guys I didn't know. Hey, what's your name? I'm Dennis. I just got engaged. I didn't do that. I just went up to my room and went, what did I just do? About 15 or 20 minutes later, the phone rings in my dorm room. You See, you may not realize this, but these haven't existed forever. And it was Jody saying, okay, come and get me. She goes, I told everybody that was here. Okay. So I went back over to the dorm. Life has been good since then. But you see, our engagement could have easily ended. This one couldn't. They were legally bound to one another. It was not a casual thing. So understand now, here's Mary, a virgin. Joseph as well, having been with no other woman. The Holy Spirit, an angel of the Lord, speaks to her and says, you're going to be with child. Her answer is incredible. We'll get to that in a little bit. But when you consider all the implications that were going to come from that, it is even more courageous than we might even possibly imagine. But I want you to make sure you get this too. Verse 28, the, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Now, there are several reasons for her to be greatly troubled. One, an angel shows up and starts speaking to her. That in itself is enough, right? Second, oh, highly favored one. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody's going to greet me in any way like that, let alone it being an angel, I'm going to be looking over my shoulder like, who are they talking to? What is going on here? So to be greatly troubled is understandable. In fact, I, I thought I'm going to do a little word study on this. And that phrase that many translations use, greatly troubled, literally means to be greatly agitated. But even though she was troubled, she obeyed. She did what the Lord asked. She listened to what the angel of the Lord said and then did what God desired of her, even in that troubled state. Now, let me ask you, what do you do when you're troubled? When things aren't going as expected. You realize the definition of disappointment is failed expectations. You thought something was going to happen, it didn't, so you're disappointed. She had no clue this was coming. But she obeyed anyway, even though she was greatly agitated, troubled. 
her soul was upset. Now let me go back and ask again, what do you do when you're upset? What do you do when you're agitated? If you're not getting there, let me help you. When you're upset, are you more or less likely to be God wants? If things are not going as you thought they would, maybe even blaming God for something, are you more or less likely to do what you know he wants you to do? To take that next right step? This is a profile in courage. Things were not going as planned. This isn't what she envisioned. This is not what anybody was going to understand. And yet we see in this passage, she was obedient to what God asked. As I've been working on this series, it's like, oh Lord, help me to be more like Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men. In spite of pushback, in spite of culture, in spite of even family. Help me to have the courage to do what I know you desire me to do. Even if I'm disappointed or upset. Even if I'm troubled or confused. Help me to do what you desire. Whether things are going as I planned or not. But I want you to notice thirdly. She was engaged. She was troubled or agitated. She was also confused. Evidently, Mary had been in biology class. She understood this doesn't make sense. That's why in verse 34, she said to the angel, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I've not been with a man. How can I be pregnant? It's an understandable and reasonable question. If you want to do a little deeper dive into this, read all the way at the beginning of chapter 1 of Matthew and look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias asked almost the exact same question when in his old age, the angel said, you and Elizabeth are going to have a child. And he basically said the same thing. Instead of saying as a virgin, he said, I'm old. How is this going to be? But the interesting thing is, Zacharias was doubting what God could do. Mary was just looking for an explanation. She wasn't doubting God. She just was confused. Now, let me ask a question that everybody who's honest has to say yes to. Has God ever confused you? <laughs> you mean today? I mean, his ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes we're a little slow on the uptake, right? At least I sure am. But I want you to realize she obeyed even though she was confused. I mean, her answer at the end of this passage is, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. 
And I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead in the message (laughs) on what servant means. But she was confused, troubled, agitated, and still obeyed. Does God have to spell everything out for you? If the answer is yes, you will never do what he wants you to do. Because he doesn't spell it all out ahead of time very often. She couldn't understand it, and that's reasonable. She sought answers, and that's okay. Her questioning of God was not questioning who God is, just how he was going to do this. This doesn't make sense in my human understanding. But in spite of that, she said in verse 38, Behold, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, she said, I don't understand, but I'm in. I don't see how this can be, but I trust you. I'll take that next step. What do you do when you're confused? By something you don't understand from the Lord. Do you seek answers? Or just go, eh, can't do that. Don't understand it. We'll flip on a light switch, not understanding how it works, but we won't trust God who created everything. We'll turn the key on the car, even though most of us don't realize how all of that really works. We'll grab our phones that aren't connected to anything and talk around the world without hesitation. But we want to have God explain it all to us. I love the simplicity of Mary's courage. Lord, if it's from you, I'll do it. She didn't say she understood. She didn't even say she agreed. She just said, I'll do it. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm in. I'm all in on this. But I want you to realize what that statement in verse 38 really means. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Some translations say bondservant. Some uh, older translations say handmaiden, which was a simple phrase for a female servant. It wasn't any fancy thing. I'm the Lord's servant. In other words, she humbled herself. Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm your servant. That phrase really, really got to me this week. Lord, I'm your servant. I'm all in and I recognize I'm not in charge. She humbled herself. I commit myself under your authority, Lord. That's what that phrase really means. She said, I'm in and you're in charge. 
I'm in and you're in control. I'm in, Lord. Do what needs to be done. Even if I'm troubled by it, even if I'm confused by it, I'm in as your servant. I love the simplicity of her answer. You see, she declared herself to be a servant of the Lord and then she obeyed in the face of the questions she had and the questions she imagined everybody else would have, starting with Joseph. Incredible. She didn't just slide across the seat. <laughs> She was about to tell Joseph, who she was legally bound to, I'm expecting a child and it's not yours, but I haven't been unfaithful. You picture that conversation? On either side of that conversation? What courage she showed in that moment. For you see what she really did when she finished her statement in verse 38. Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Not my will, but yours. Which is the phrase Jesus himself used the night before he was crucified. As he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if there's another way, but not my will, but yours. That's a pretty good pattern to follow. Mary said, not what I desire, Lord, but what you desire. She surrendered herself. Let it be to me. According to your word. This week I was going, Lord, help me to start saying that a lot more often. And help me to mean it every time I say it. Lord, let it be to me according to what you desire. Not my dream, not my plan, not my calendar. But according to your will. And what you desire for me and from me. You see, Mary obeyed and committed herself to the Lord. She obeyed and surrendered. She obeyed and committed. She obeyed though confused. She obeyed though agitated and troubled. She obeyed though there could be dire consequences. In that culture, she could not only be divorced, there would have been some justification in many minds for her to be killed. And she still said, I'm in. How do you answer when the Lord asks you to do something that you're not sure how others will understand? It 
It's a profile in courage. It's a commitment that we see she made. And then this needs to be a series all by itself. But this last point in verse 37. This verse. The angel speaking and says, For nothing will be impossible with God. You see, Mary accepted that nothing is impossible with God. And there are two ways to understand it, and here's where the series could go sometime. Just what it means on the surface and the way most of us take it, man, anything's possible with God. But I also am convinced that it also means that if I claim to be following Christ and nothing is happening in my life, something's wrong. Because it's impossible if God is in it for nothing to happen. If nothing's happening in my spiritual life, that's on me. Because that's impossible if God's involved for nothing to be going on. For there to be no growth, for there to be no conviction, for there to be no blessing, no joy. Something. Because nothing is impossible with God. Now Mary heard it in that instant as most of us take it and we should focus on for this series. And that is if God is for it, if God is in it, if it is God's will, then nothing by human standards is impossible with God. Not on my own, not my plan, not my vision, but him and his will and the power of his Holy Spirit. So let me ask you again, what do you do when you're troubled or confused? I'm talking your connection with God here. What do you do when you're agitated about what you believe God wants you to do? What do you do when you're confused and don't understand it? Do you demand that God shows you everything? A lot of us do that, don't we? Lord, I'll do it if you show it all to me. There's one thing you need to understand. The one thing that isn't is faith. Because if he's explained it all to you, it takes no faith. I like it that way. But that's not faith. What do you do when God has shown you what he desires, but you're confused by it or troubled by it? And maybe even more importantly, are you living humbled and surrendered? Not seeking for yourself, but just for him. No matter what others might think, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. I'm all in. I'm your servant. I don't have to understand it. I always put an asterisk by that and say, but I'd prefer to. <laughs> but Lord, even if I don't understand it, I'm in. Isn't that how we're supposed to live? 
Mary is a perfect profile of courage in the face of questions, confusion, and trouble. What will you do with those this week? Jesus, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord, for your call to us to follow you wherever, whenever, and however. Lord, give us courage like Mary had, even if we're confused. Give us courage like Mary had, even if we've got questions and are troubled by what we know you want us to do. Lord, may we humble ourselves as your servants. And may we surrender and commit ourselves to your will, no matter what. Lord, I thank you for what you have for us in your word, what you showed through this passage. Oh, may we have the courage of Mary to take that next right step, to do that next right thing, regardless of our trouble, regardless of our confusion, regardless of our questions. May we this week begin or continue to live surrendered and humble as your servants, no matter what. In Jesus' name, I ask and plead for these things. Amen.